Hello there. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, the podcast. Something a little different today. We were able to interview MSG Network's Bo Pito for the show, our first foray into interviewing an actual sports television personality, and uh, it was great. Bill was very open and engaging. We talked about his time at ESPN. We talked about his current work with the Knicks and the Rangers. We talked about working with ex-athletes in the booth, a lot of stuff. Uh, so check it out. Ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete, the podcast, MSG Network's Bill Pedo. And if you get a chance, go to the iTunes store and download all the episodes. You just have to search for Ready to Unload. And you can get the podcast for free because it's good times. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you. Welcome to Ready to Unload. We have a special guest today. Uh, Bill Pito joins us, MSG Network's Bill Pito. Uh, and Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, great to be with you guys. Um, first of all, thanks uh, for taking the time to talk to us. We want to start and jump right in, uh, being that you work at MSG. It's an exciting place to be right now for the first time in, well, potentially. Let's not jump the gun, but for the first time in maybe Yeah, with this team, years. you never know, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the first time in maybe 14 years, both teams will be in the playoffs. Let's start with uh, the Rangers, uh, who had their, their first game uh, the other night and beat Ottawa. This team, is this the team that makes the run? Uh, we're both big Islander fans, Bill. So, <laughs> so we're, I should hang up right now then, right? <laughs> we're not necessarily rooting against, but um, no, is, is, this is a very, very good team. Is this the team that makes a deep run? I think they're going to win a series at least, maybe two, but I just think they need some playoff seasoning. Aside from Rupp and Fedotenko and Richards, they're very young, very untested, and I think it's going to be a lot to ask them to come out of the Eastern Conference. I think they may get to the Eastern Conference Finals at best, but I don't think they're going to get out of the Eastern Conference. Many of these teams take a couple years to go through some of the rigors of the playoffs to get to the ultimate step, and as good as they are, as hard as they play, and they're so much fun to watch. I think they may be a little bit away from from really being a championship contender. Yeah, the old the old adage in the Stanley Cup playoffs is that a hot goaltender can can take you real far. Um, even though they don't really have that experience, can you see Henrik Lundqvist putting them on on his back and and really carrying them through through a round or two? You know, he, he's been so incredible. Uh, game one against Ottawa was a classic example where when the Rangers are not playing well, he is able to hold the fort. In that period before John Tortorella called the timeout in game one, Ottawa's peppering Lundqvist with 
shot after shot. He just doesn't. He always is at his best when his team needs him the most. You know, he's won a gold medal, as you guys know. He's had a great regular season. But in the playoffs, he's only 16-20 and 20 in his career. So I think he's motivated to make a, a statement here in the playoffs. And if he, he could be the one thing that gets the Rangers beyond where I think they may end up here this year. But I think as good as he is, I think ultimately they, they're going to need another year or two before they get to the championship round and, and even maybe win a cup. Yeah, it's funny It's funny you mention that, Bill, because the other night on the show, uh, on our show Thursday night, I sort of... Uh, I, I sort of took uh, the king to task a little bit because I I feel like um, I think he's a, he's a little bit overrated in the sense that he's been a wonderful goaltender in the regular season. He has won a gold medal, but to me, playoff hockey is where a goalie sort of earns his legend. You know, I mean, Billy Smith is not one of the greatest goaltenders of all time because of his regular season stats. It's because of what he you know he did in the playoffs and how he was uh, the quote unquote money goalie. So I think this is I, – I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this is a real important playoffs uh, for Lundqvist because it may be time for him to carry his team through a round or two. Now, he admits it. The clock's ticking. He's 30 years old. He's had playoff frustrations. He had lost seven of his last eight appearances before game one against Ottawa. I mean, he knows what's at stake here. And as you're saying, you're not going to go down as one of the all-timers unless you have playoff success. And so far, whether it's because, I think it's mainly because of the inconsistency of the franchise, but Lundqvist has not had great playoff success. Right. And in being around, the other thing we were talking about the other night, which is uh, the only thing we go to MSG for is concerts. But, uh, <laughs> no, well, that's You don't true. come watch the games? Come on, guys. <laughs> no, we both, we both like the Knicks. And, and uh, I would go to an Islander Ranger game if I didn't fear for my life. But, um <laughs> No, but it's a wonderful time to be around the garden right now. I, I mean, ha- have you noticed that? Have you noticed that there's like a buzz around uh, both these teams uh, potentially being in the playoffs at the same time? Yeah, because I think there's a real sense that the, there's an expectation that the Rangers are not just going to be one and done. Whereas last right. year they just barely got in. Two years ago they missed on the last day of the regular season. I think there's expectation the playoffs are going to the Rangers going to make a run, and the Knicks story, you know. You know you could you could send this script out to Hollywood and they would say this is impossible. Yep. I mean, you know, you had the early season struggle, then you had insanity, then the coach quits, and then a new coach comes in, and then they play well, and then Amari gets hurt, and then Lynn gets hurt, and they keep winning, and now Amari's going to come back. I mean, you can't make this up. You can't make this up. I mean, think, of, think about all the twists and turns here in a shortened season. It's it's, 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 it's remarkable. That's the amazing thing about it is, is that it is an abbreviated season because of, of the lockout. Um, the one thing we talked about the other night was uh, I had mentioned Carmelo Anthony, and he's really sort of made the, you know, like I said the other night, you hate to say Carmelo Anthony has taken the leap because he is Carmelo Anthony after all, but he's kind of taken that Knicks leap. And for the first time in a year, he's really put this team on his shoulders and, and stepped up as, as a leader of this team, how do you think he's going to be able to handle that role down the stretch here and and hopefully into the playoffs? You know, I think in the NBA, less is more. I think you may be better off when you have a defined star. Melo now plays the four with Amari out of the mix. He's got all kinds of room to post up. He's great at that. He's great at getting the ball down on the low block and creating for himself. When Jeremy Lin was 
having his incredible run. Remember, Amari and Mello were out. It's almost like you're better off with one guy and a bunch of supporting players. That's why I'm concerned when Amari Stoudemire comes back here in the next week that all of a sudden this thing is going to come to a standstill again. I don't know uh, when D'Antoni was, was here and so far under Woodson. No one has, come, has been able to come up with a way that Amari and Mello can succeed together. There's been even talk maybe of bringing Amari off the bench so that when Mello is out of the game, Amari's in the game. Right. Mello has been so good, guys, at the four. When Amari's yep. in the game, there's no room for Mello to do his thing. Yeah, no, and and we had talked about the idea that uh, you, you have the alpha dog, right? So it was a, Bill Simmons always talks about the alpha dog on a basketball team or whatever, like there being only one guy, there being no confusion about who's taking the big shot. And we were saying – uh, this makes them sort of, if they get in the playoffs, we, we'll keep we'll keep qualifying it. We don't want to jinx anything. But if they get in the playoffs, it makes them a very dangerous team, despite the fact that they're not getting a tremendous amount out of the point uh, without Lynn there. And, you know, you, you get what you can out of Baron Davis. You get what you can out of uh, uh, Douglas. But uh, it makes them a very dangerous team be- because I think they have the scorer. And I'm not sure either how they're going to work Stoudemire in, but... They have the score, the guy that can go off for the 40 in a game if you need it. But they also can have a defensive game, can have a game where they they need a defensive stop or they need a big defensive fourth quarter, and they need to shut somebody down. They seem to be able to do that, and that seems different under Woodson. Yeah, and you know Tyson Chandler's been the key to that. I mean, the, the Knicks are trying to get him the defensive player of the year. He's been so good. He is such a winner. He's got such a great attitude. He's a stand-up guy. He's got a great nightly work ethic. He has been a huge addition. So when you talk about defense, the one thing they have not had is a guy like Tyson Chandler to anchor, uh, anchor the inside. So all that being said, though, if they get Chicago and Miami in the first round and it looks like it's going to be either one, I think they're going to be hard-pressed to, to pull off an upset. I really do. It just They just don't have enough enough pieces, I don't think. Now, the other the other thing that is kind of in play now is with Dwight Howard going down, the Knicks are only three games behind Orlando with a couple of games left. Do you, do you think they have a shot at catching Orlando, or is their schedule too tough to make up that ground? Orlando's in a free fall, though. I mean, you guys, have, I'm sure, seeing without uh, Howard, they're 1-4 and four now, and the, mm-hmm. the four losses, they've been not even competitive. They could catch Orlando, and then you got Indiana. Right, right. Uh, potentially. I think Indiana, you, you'd have to say, is a lock for three. Right now, I think Chicago has got enough of an edge, basically up four games. Lock for one. Miami's two. And then you have Indiana three. Now, if the Knicks can catch Boston, they're three games behind the Celtics, three games behind the Magic. If they catch Boston for the Atlantic, they'll be four. Mm-hmm. And they play Atlanta probably. Right. So yeah, there, there's a possibility. But here's the thing: now the Knicks have Miami and Boston. They have games upcoming also against Atlanta and the Clippers. Right. On uh, yeah, the Clippers are at home. Atlanta's on the road. Yes. Right. So I I, I don't know if they're gonna. I think they could catch Orlando. I don't. I would say that they have a better chance of catching Orlando for six than Boston for fourth. Orlando could, Orlando could go right down the tubes here. Yeah, they they, they really could really quickly. Um, if they, uh, you don't want to talk about matchups because, as we just said, they could change quite a bit. What do you think of? So I just want to get this take. What do you think? You've been around for a long time, been doing this a long time. Uh, what do you think of the shortened season? I know. It's, you I think know, it's been terrible. Terrible. Really? Okay. Uh, look at the, all the injuries. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You just throw any, any anybody out there. They've been hurt. Wade, yep. Kobe, Amari, Rose, right. Dwight Howard, Derek Rose, Ray Allen. I mean, it's just been it's just been 
it's been off the charts. These I don't think these guys, I don't think the body can handle what they've been asked to do here. That's right. Yeah. These are wear down injuries too, you know, the back, the discs. Yeah. Body's just giving out here. Yep. If you and I think also the quality of play has been, oh, has been yeah. down this year. You know, has been really bad this year. Really bad. I mean, there's some nights where you know you get a team losing by 30, and you're like, well, how did that happen? I mean, Last night, teams. Right. Yeah, it's impossible. They, they, you can't play four games a week. It's just, it's just no way, no right. way. Not, not at this level, for sure. Now, yeah, just to wrap up with the Knicks and the Rangers here, and and both of them hopefully being in the playoffs and stuff. Um, you know, working for MSG, you've worked for MSG for, for a while, I guess, right? This is my third year, yeah. Third year? I've, okay. I've loved it, loved it. I was just going to ask you, what the, that's what I was going to ask you about. You you know, you you worked the, uh, the pre and the post for the Rangers and the Knicks and stuff like that. Uh, has that been a, a great time? Are you really enjoying that? Yeah, you know, I was at ESPN for a long, long time, and that yeah. was a great experience. But here, you're around the teams. You, you have, a, uh, I don't want to say a vested interest, but a... Uh, a real passion to see them do well, and you have a fixed role. You know, you're at ESPN. You're not around much. You have to talk about things like NASCAR and Masters Open Tennis from Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here you're able to sit down, and it's uh, you know you're either doing the Rangers or you're doing the Knicks. You get to focus on that, and it's you sit down after the game, and you kind of have to figure it out and tell the story and weave in the interviews and work in the analysts. And I'm also a New York native. I grew up in California, but my first seven years I was in Manhattan. So oh, wow. the Knicks of the early '70s were a huge part of my early childhood. So it's just been it's just been fantastic uh, right. to work here. Well, I, I was going to say, Brian and I know you, you know, or know of your work for years at ESPN because Brian and I are are, are in our mid to late 30s. Um, so you know, we we sort of uh, grew up with you uh, on ESPN in the heyday of ESPN. Um, right. And, of course, that's that's changed quite a bit, too. I think... Yeah, do you think it was that, as, as guys who are, you know, been viewers, do you think it's kind of lost a little bit of its luster? Absolutely. It's not as special I'll... anymore because there's so much on now, maybe? Oh, it's, yeah, and, and Steve and I talk about this all the time. We we much prefer getting our news from, from the regional networks. You know, here in New York, the MSGs, the SNYs, we, we right. very rarely go to ESPN for that national outlook anymore. It's it's more it's more regionalized for us. And I'll tell you it's right. it, it, it's a shame because Bill, I remember being in college, uh, you know, I went to the University of Dayton, uh and I was in Dan Patrick's fraternity. Oh but, were you uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Actually that's met pretty Dan. cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Dan, when he was Dan Pugh. Um Oh that's that's cool. <laughs> but uh U G H baby. That's right. We always got a real kick out of uh, uh, any time he would mention UD because those were terrible basketball years for us with uh, right. Co- Coach O'Brien and then Ali Purnell came in. But um, and we always used to get a kick when we would be on SportsCenter. Um, right. And Dan would you know uh, say something about the game. But I, I mean, SportsCenter was a huge deal. I mean, SportsCenter was was sort of the way you broke up your day. I mean, you, right. if, if you were out at a bar, which happened from time to time in college. Um, you know, you, you stopped what you were doing. ESPN was on because there were no satellites, really. You know, so you couldn't be watching a game. And ESPN Sports Center was on at eleven right. o'clock. You sort of stopped in the bar and and checked right. out. You know, Sports Center. It was a huge, huge part of our, you know, sort of sporting upbringing. And and it just couldn't last that way. 
Well, now you have sports centers on basically all day on ESPN News. You have, yep. of course, the Internet. You have all of these other ways of getting information. And you mentioned these regional networks. They're all over the place. So for someone in the business, there's a ton of places to get a job, but I don't know if there's just one place where people get their information anymore. Back in the 90s, the late 90s, middle 90s, I, I feel very fortunate to have been there at ESPN because I think that was when it was a happening. When Dan yeah. and Keith Overman sat down on Sports Center, that was it. No, that absolutely. Was, it was the big yeah. show. I mean, and, yep. and that's just not like that anymore. And they and those guys uh, too, and uh, you know, Kilborn, you know, even it, those guys were personalities. Like you didn't just you weren't just tuning in to watch sports. But see, here's my question for you guys, and you'd be you guys seem like you know you've appreciated it and watched it a lot. Were they that good, or were they just unique? So my point being is that if Kilborn came along now, would anybody notice him? You know I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it was a a perfect sort of it was the perfect storm. I mean, it was a confluence right. of of events that was just right. perfect for that. In right. that they were the only ones doing what they were doing. ESPN and you they guys were new ESPN, and different. If you guys right. saw a quirky anchor now, you, you've already seen it. Exactly. You've seen it a million times. You know, it, right. I, I grew up with, uh, you know, Channel 5 and Bill Mazur, something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, these guys did not look like the anchors that I saw doing sports when I was a kid. Right. You know, they were they were cool and hip and, and a little different and came out and they had funny catchphrases. And they they right. also had a great rapport with each other. I mean, that was... Right. Now... You being there at that time, did you have guys that you worked with that were your favorites? I mean, did you? you well, know, I'll tell you, Ober, Oberman, and, and we've all seen what's happened to him. But yeah. he is the most talented. He's a Michael Jordan of sports news because of his ability. He had an, he has an incredible ability to write. He's almost savant-like with the language. Wow. He's brilliant, and he's great on the air. Right. So no one has ever, no one will ever sit down and talk about the day's sports news any better than Keith Oberman did. I, Ever. I, I'd say I agree. I absolutely agree. You can I, I, like his style or not like it, but no one will ever do it better. Right. He'd sit there, guys, and bang out this copy, and, and then he'd be down there smoking his pipe in the parking lot. You're <laughs> like, you look at this script, and you're like, where did this come from? Right. That's now, a, that's, all that's of that stuff at MSNBC and as he's gone on, that's, those are his words. He's right. brilliant. He's one in a million. The problem is he just has issues behind the scenes. Right. But he is a one in a million when it comes to that. Could it could it be that he's he's actually too brilliant for his own good sometimes? I think so. I think he's uh you know, socially as brilliant as he is, he's a little bit uh less brilliant behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't manage his situations well. He gets into stupid issues and fights mm -hmm. about things that don't matter that much. Yep. Um, but as a colleague, uh, we actually were, were somewhat friendly. Um, the issue, you know, I never had to manage him, of course. I'm sure I would have a different, uh, <laughs> a different take on that. Yeah. You, uh, it, being there at that time, and, and, and uh, that time is absolutely fascinating to, to us because we, as much as we follow our teams, Bill, we follow sports media. I mean, that's something right. that we wind up talking about half the time on the show. And the other right. night, we even, you know, broke into our Mike and the Mad Dog uh, impression. It just happens. But um, did you guys know at the time that this was sort of different? Did you know that you were sort of changing the landscape a little bit about how, you know, sports news? 
you know, when I walked in there in 1993, I, I don't know what a lawyer feels like or what a doctor feels like, but in what we do to walk into ESPN in 1993 was like, wow. Where else? It, there's not a zillion ESPNs like there's a zillion law firms or a zillion hospitals. There's one ESPN, and when I walked in there, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. I remember my first day I saw Brent Musburger, and I almost peed my pants. <laughs> it, you know, so, yeah, to, to be there, I don't think – I think you knew how big it was, but I don't think that you knew that that was going to be the apex. Right. Because who saw all this – expansion coming and all of these the internet as we talked about these other things and you know ESPN News they started and that has totally watered down everything yep. and they put out sports centers on ESPN News 24-7 so I we knew it was special but I don't think there was any way at the time to say hey this is maybe going to be the, the peak of what's going on here Right. I think the peak would be actually 98 maybe 97, 98, 99 yep I, I, those are, I, I mean we were in I was in college until 96 you know 92 to 96 and uh, that was it. I mean, it, it was still ESPN was still it. Uh, you know, to get sports news or to watch baseball tonight or to watch right. NFL right. prime time. You know, we did a whole uh, we did a whole show a while back, a whole podcast about uh, NFL pregame shows. Right. And and where they have come. Da, 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 da. You're looking live. <laughs> that quick. You guys oh, got that right. Yeah. yeah today. Yep. There you go. Um, and 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 what we grew up with, and how we grew up with, uh, you know, those those pregame NFL shows were the best, and that's another maybe. Okay, uh, but here here's the thing now, guys. Were they the best because they were all that you knew? Because if you put those shows up against what yeah. you see now, where you have 20 options, I don't. I think what you see today is probably more extensive, more comprehensive. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, 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 no. It's definitely more comprehensive. But maybe the simplified was better. Maybe you know you didn't. You only had. Well, think about this. Choices. You guys watch the game of the week on uh, NBC, the baseball game of the week. Uh-huh. Yes. Tony Kubek, Joe Garagiola. Uh-huh. Yep. Now that's a that's the best example to me because that was a happening right now. Yes. I mean, you got twelve games on a night. Yep. Oh, and the NFL might move to a Thursday night game and right. a Tuesday night right. game and a Monday right. night game. So they've taken away the. You know the the this the special nature of the Monday night game, but right. uh, and and the NFL Network, like we 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 were talking about, what do you watch now? Like if you're watching a pregame show now on a Sunday, what are you watching? Are you are you still watching ESPN? Because ESPN, uh, the 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 pregame show was a must watch for years. For I think years. it's got to the point now. I I just like the games. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I and I'm, I've made my living in these studio environments, but as right. a viewer, I just want to watch the game. Yeah, I think there's that's what that's and maybe sort of you're the, the coach conclusion. afterwards, you know. Right, that's sort of the conclusion. And the other thing about that now is that with social media and with Twitter and with with everything that's out, you have access to news, breaking news that you don't need to turn on an NFL pregame show to find out who's going to be injured or or what the what right. the news so, of the game right. is. Right, and then you can go to a website and get a highlight. Right, right. You can get it. You can get it anywhere else now. So right. then I wonder. So I, then I, I, I don't know that the ratings, though, like you're, the way we're talking about it, like we, we're talking about the death of the cable studio show. Right. But I think these things, all of these different entities, each league has its own channel now. Mm-hmm. NFL Network, NBA Network, NHL Network. Uh, it's just like the, it's all just spread out now. You know? Yep. Well, and, and still make also, a lot of money as these companies still 
make a ton of money, you know. Yep. Yeah. And also, what you do now, I'm more apt to watch than I am to watch NFL primetime. You know that's right. You got a niche. If you're a Ranger fan, you're watching. That's why there's value here in these local channels. If you're a Red exactly. Sox fan, you're watching the Red Sox. If you're a Nick fan, you're you know you're watching MSG. Yep. Exactly. That's that to me. That's the the pre and post game shows that I watch now are for my teams. Right. They're, they're selective, and and I'm I'm not gonna. Now I I will tell you this on a you know on a Saturday morning when I'm watching uh, my little guy, I got a 16 month old boy. You know, I'll flip on. Major League Baseball Network and just leave that on in the background, right? You know, and they have whatever their their nightly recap show is on, right? And then this way he's got the highlights, you know, so right. they're on in the right. background. But, but I'm not. There's, I'm sorry. But see, Cal. ten years ago that would have been Sports Center because that yep. would have been the only game in town. That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Now working on a lot of these shows, uh, uh, as you have, you, you worked with a lot of athletes. You work with. You've worked with a lot of guys, Bill. <laughs> yeah. So when you we had the situation the other day, I don't know if you saw this with the Skip Bayless and Jalen Rose or whatever. Yeah. And Jalen Rose sort of call, uh, called out Skip Bayless about you know right. lying about his playing career or whatever. I don't care about that. My question is is this, um, and I wanted to get your take on this. Having done this for a really long time and worked with athletes, um, and this situation actually came up last year as well with uh, Mike Francesa and. Darrell Rivas. Right. And Darrell Rivas sort of crossed that line when the interview got heated. Rivas sort of crossed that line into, do you play? Right. You know, and I think that's what this this Jalen Rose Bayless thing was a little bit. It seems like that the worst line for like an athlete that's working in a studio show to cross, the like you don't know because you never played line. Right. Did you did you have you run into that in your career at any time? You know, I'm gonna, you... I'm, gonna, I'm gonna flip this around. My frustration is that these guys in our business go to the head of the class so they're broadcasters who have never broadcasted before. Oh, yeah. If you want to be a doctor, you go to medical school. You don't start at Harvard Hospital. In our <laughs> business, you come off the field, you start at ESPN. Think about yeah. that. No training. You're yeah. right. No, so I, it's one I, thing if you cross the line and say, well, you never played sports, my point would be, well, you've never broadcasted before. What the hell are you doing here? Yep. And and I imagine you've had to sit down with a number of Oh, my of guys. goodness, fellas. It's just endless, and that's a big frustration because these guys get these jobs. Oh, how bad can he be? He's Emmett Smith. Did you guys see Emmett Smith on the air? Yes. <laughs> Did you guys see Scotty Pippen? Oh, yeah. everybody wants to hear. I don't think people want to hear all-time greats that can't get the job done verbally. I, I don't think so. But they go to the head of the class, and it's a, it's a, it's like anything else. There's a skill set. There's no, they don't train them, and they just get there because of their name. And then as a host, you have to try to get them through it. It can be maddening at times, maddening. Yeah, I bet. And and you just, why does that mentality still exist? Do you think in uh, for the higher ups, for the executives? Why do they think that? Hey, this is what people want to see. They want to see. Well, they want to see. They they think that a big name, a big name is great if the big name is good. Like Steve Young is fantastic. These yeah. guys are most of. Look, let's be honest. The guys that survive are good. The guys that get cracks may not be good. Your name will get you your first shot at it. If you're no good, you won't survive. Right. But yeah, no, that's that's you true. Can look at Joe Montana. He was terrible. I don't know if you guys remember George Seaford. He was terrible. Yeah. Awful, awful. Um, yeah. You just go down the list. Your name will get you the shot. Right. And then, but in other walks of life, you have to have some accomplishment to get the shot. 
that's yeah. one thing that over the years can be tiresome. Yeah, and then probably uh, proves frustrating. I know, you know, Brian and I both have uh, degrees in radio and television journalism. Both, you know, did the broadcast sports broadcasting thing in college. Uh, neither one of us decided to pursue it until 15 years later when we started doing a podcast. Uh, but that was definitely there. I mean, that was definitely there. The idea yeah, of like, for our difficult... stuff, though, guys, it doesn't impact your track or my track because you're going to be the anchor or the host. Right. Rarely are you going to see an ex-athlete become a host. I'm yeah, talking no, that's about true. the ex-athlete jumping into the big-time analyst role with not a yep. lot of training. Now, John Gruden has been really good. Look, it's like anything else. It's a hit. It's a hit or a miss. Right. But my point is, is that no, with a name and no training, you'll at least get a shot in broadcast as right. an ex-athlete. And and to your point, Bill, the guys that have lasted, you can appreciate, good. and you can appreciate the effort that they've put in to become good, and they use right. their name to get the shot, like you said. But then you can tell that they've worked at this, and you can see them have got, like a guy like Phil Sims. You can right. see how good a guy like Phil Sims has gotten over the years too. Right. Yeah, right. I think. Uh, yeah, I think. I think you see the guys that work at it and stuff, and and that's. Uh, watching from a local standpoint too. Again, bring bring it back to the local shows, and and you know your show on MSG and stuff like that. Uh, you working with ex hockey, you know, uh, former hockey players and stuff like that, former basketball players with the Knicks and stuff. Those right, like Philip Trapuca is a really good broadcaster. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I was just gonna say, like you, Mike you wouldn't think it. Better, you know, Dave Maloney, the former Rangers captain, is a really good broadcaster. Yep. Joe Micheletti is a really good broadcaster. Michelletti's great, yeah. And one of my favorites. Thought that, yeah. Um, now, in one one more thing on this uh, this media thing, uh, and where the social media has come, and the idea of breaking stories on Twitter and, and that sort of thing. Again, we're talking about the the competition to break a story, uh, and where that's come to. Do you, Brian? And I sort of sometimes see this as like a bad thing <laughs> that where it's gotten to that it doesn't seem to matter. Whether the, story, the the veracity of the story, it's just whether you break it first. Like you know, well, Stephen, a, Stephen A. Smith seems to throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and hope something sticks. Right. No. I mean, it just yeah. There's no accountability on Twitter, right? You just throw it out there. Exactly. Uh, it, it, things are happening faster. See, you know, as things have gone on in the media business, like I would say, we talked about the analyst. I would say I'm in a host role and have been. Then you have the information guys like the Chris Mortenses and the John Claytons and the Stephen A. Smiths. They're fighting to break stories. I don't really worry about that because I haven't gotten involved in that. But at ESPN, when you have Adam Schefter fighting over Chris Mortenson, fighting over John Clayton to, to get the credit for breaking a story with these new mediums and the Twitter and the Internet, it's just it's utter chaos. Yeah. Because the competition, those guys are paid and their reputation uh, is enhanced by breaking stories. So with faster ways to do that, it may lead to inaccuracies. Yeah, exactly. And and then, you know, you get the... I think it really blew up with LeBron and no with question. the decision. That was, right. that was sort of like a seminal moment in tweeting sports. One of the right. things that... One of the things that Cal and I talk about a lot that bothers us quite a bit <laughs> is uh, the, beat, the beat reporters for teams uh, go on Twitter and seem to be able to push their own narrative or there seems to be a lot of agenda-driven coverage uh, by the beat guys in New York. And I wonder if that's a symptom of trying to further their own careers or 
do you, do you think that it's a little more agenda driven because they have to sell papers? They have to, you know, the, the competition is so fierce. Yeah, I think it's really fierce here in New York between the Post and the Daily News. I mean, it's just fierce. Yeah. And then you have some agendas where guys don't like certain organizations, and that that factors into it. Uh, so yeah, it's um, and all these things increase the competition because now with Twitter, it's like you can get it out there instantaneously. I mean, think about it, uh, you know, we're talking about 15, 20 years ago, you have to wait till the paper came out. Yeah. Right. And then the next cycle would be the Internet. And now even quicker is Twitter. Yeah. And and, the, so, and you said it before, there's no accountability. Like Brian and I, right. we've had our run-ins with some of the Met beat guys because we're both big Met fans or whatever. And, right. and there seems to be just this. And, and I don't think it was ever more evidenced uh, than what we've seen of late with Tim Tebow. Where, right. <laughs> Where certain jet beat reporters seem to, you know, submit stories that they want, like like Holmes and Sanchez got together in Florida and worked out. Right. Like this should be a big story and should be in the paper. And what was in the paper the next day was Woody Johnson saying that Tim Tebow wasn't for money. Right. And no no story about the quarterback and the wide receiver, you know, fighting. Well, they're trying to sell papers and Tebow's a yeah. crossover, like Jeremy Lin. Yeah, I mean Jeremy Lin was a crossover superstar, so mm -hmm. you know, it, it, you know, when you're there in business to sell papers, you're going to get more readers reading about Tebow or reading about Holmes and Sanchez. Right. No, it's it's just it's frustrating because as a Jet fan, I don't care about Tebow selling jerseys. I care about right. Holmes and Sanchez working out together and uh, burying the the hatchet. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen anything like Linsanity, Bill? Had you had you ever seen anything like that? No, no, I, and just but that—that's a function of where we are now. The, the thing takes off, coach changes, he hurts his knee. You know, it's amazing. Now what? Right. Now what? Is he? Is he? Is he eighteen and ten? Which were his numbers? Is he a starter? Is he? Is he going to be a? What is he? Right. I don't know. Yeah, and they play. and they don't know. Right. <laughs> that's the important thing. They, you know, he's he's going to need a contract next year. They don't know what he's going to be. Right. I yeah, don't know. I, I mean, I think he's maybe going to be a solid starter and not a superstar, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think he can be – it seems like he can be a very serviceable point guard, but that's all you would really need on that team, right? You don't think, Right. You know, well, if he goes 18 and 10, there's nothing wrong with that. No. No, no. You sign for that in a heartbeat. All right. We're going we're gonna, to uh, let you go, Bill. Uh, one last thing. Um, and I, 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 I ask this because I have a friend who's worked for uh, – he works for FoxSports.com, whatever. But he used to cover the Devils for the Bergen Record and blah 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 blah. I wonder, after all these years of covering uh, sports and doing sports shows, is it possible to maintain uh, a rooting interest, like a real vested rooting interest, in the teams that you grew up with? I, I, I am rooting very hard for the Knicks and the Rangers. So you can still so, do that. yes. Yeah, I, even more so when that I'm around it. Like when I was at ESPN, I've always been a Nick guy, but now that I'm around it, I'm I'm more passionate about it. See, that's great to hear. <laughs> but but here's again, my job. I'm not around these guys a lot. I mean, I'm not. I'm I'm in the studio. I don't travel with the teams. I'm not in the locker rooms. I know Coach Tortorella because we do a coaches show every other week. But it's it's different when you're a beat guy. I think. Right. You're around it. Maybe you see some things that turn you off. You get to know the guys. Maybe you don't like all the guys. Right. You know, I'm around it, but not in it. If you know what I mean. Yeah, you're you're covering it, but you're not in it, right? Right. 
And sometimes, and sometimes what you'll hear from members of the media is that they can't, they can't root for teams anymore. They, they root for stories or they root for individuals. Yeah, or you root against individuals, you know, depending on who blows you off, who didn't give oh, that's a story, it. who won't talk to you, whatever, who, who's good to you. I don't, in my world, I don't interact that way, so. Right. Had you ever done the, uh, the beat thing? Never have. Really? You know, I've been a talking head my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably lucky. That means you get to still root for the Rangers in the Knicks. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Phil, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, keep up the great work. We, you know, Brian and I honestly have, have known your work for a really long time. And um, even though we're not Ranger fans. You guys need a whole new reboot there on Long Island about your uh, office. Uh, yes. Or Kansas City. Or Quebec. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So well, thanks, thanks so for much. having me, boys. Yep, we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks. Okay, bye, guys. Thanks, Phil. Bye-bye.